But I want to start out with a couple of questions because these questions kind of set the trajectory uh, for where we're going to go this morning. Here's the first question. When it comes to your life, are you living out the dream that you had? I mean, you know, I grew up, I mean, as this entrepreneurial kind of spirited person, and I had all these dreams for my life. And I know you had dreams for your life or you have dreams for your life. So the question is this, are you living out the dream that you had for your life? That, that's the first question. The second question is this, or are you living a life that's characterized where it's all about you? Are you living a life that's characterized about me? See, here's what I want to do this morning. I want to go to the book of John in the New Testament. And the reason I want to go to the book of John is because we find within that book a story that kind of highlights what it really is to live a life that isn't about me. You and I live in a culture where everything is focused about me, 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 me. I, I often say in conversation, it's the me monster. Because, you know, we're all focused on ourselves. But it's in this story that we find in the book of John that, that John highlights some things that, that give us insight to what it means to, to really live a life that's beyond me. A life that isn't characterized by me. Because the story that we're going to look at it lets us know what living a life beyond me. John really lets us know what that's about. So let me take a minute and set this up because it's important for you to understand. You have to have the context. See, in the, in the New Testament culture, if you were inviting people over for dinner, there was this, there was this really interesting custom that took place that, that unless we talk about it in the church or unless we talk about it in, in Scripture, you know, if, if I'm not covering it or somebody other pastor's not covering it, we really don't know anything about it. But there was this really interesting culture, custom that took place in that culture, uh, and most people absolutely know nothing about this. Because you have to realize in that culture there was no cars, there were no motorcycles, there were no trains, there was no buses. So most of the time, if, if people were going to go somewhere, it meant they had to walk. Or maybe ride on the back of an animal, which probably wasn't going to be the case because most people just walked on their feet. And unless you're Greg Armstrong, who can run 100 miles barefooted, most people wore shoes, which meant that most people wore sandals. Because, again, it was a culture that didn't enjoy the, the things that you and I enjoy, enjoy the, the paved roads. They, they didn't have Uber. They didn't have Lyft. They didn't have sidewalks. They didn't have Kelly Cab. I took a Kelly Cab this week myself. It's been, been quite a while. But, hey, it was great. But, see, people in that culture, they walked on dirty streets, dusty streets. And they had to wear sandals, and they dealt with dust and rocks and and oftentimes i mean i know some people would say you know you shouldn't say it in church well this, this is crossroads okay they dealt with animal feces because the animals used the same roads that the humans used so it meant that you were going to probably walk through some of that or in some of that or what was left behind by an animal because the animals used the same roads that the people used and here's the thing if you were the host if you were you were having a dinner party 
then the custom in that culture was because of the dirty roads and the dust and the rocks and all the things that people would have to endure to get to the dinner party, that you as the host of the party, that you would hire somebody. It might be a maid or a butler or, or some person, a servant. And that person would actually welcome the guest and take their sandals off. They would put the person's sandals up. And after the sandals were removed, the worker, the servant, the butler, whoever it might be, they would pour water over the feet of the guest that you had invited. Now, see, they would put that person's foot in a basin, and they would pour water over that person's foot. And they would massage the feet, and then they would dry off the feet. Because your main objective was to make the guests that you had invited to the dinner party, you were going to make them comfortable. You didn't want that guest to have to worry about, well, am I clean or am I not clean? Am I dirty? Am I not dirty? I mean, you just didn't want them to deal with that burden. As they were sitting at your table for probably three hours. Nobody wants to sit at a table with dusty, dirty feet for three hours. Because see, here, 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 right here is the, the main reason why having clean feet was important. They didn't sit at a table like you and I would sit at a table. They would sit at a table like this. And they actually didn't sit at the table. They would recline at the table. The, the meal would be prepared and would be placed on the table like you see it right here. The table was probably maybe 12 inches off the ground. And, and around that table would be pillows. And you would make yourself comfortable reclining at the table. Which actually meant that when you reclined at the table, another person's feet were going to be in your face. Or, or, or vice versa, your feet were going to be in their face. So the custom of taking care of your guest, you have to understand the custom of washing the people's feet was really important. Because you wanted, you gone to all this trouble to prepare this meal, and you wanted to make sure that your guest had a really great experience because you've gone to all the trouble to invite them, and you want them to experience the very best. But see, it's in the book of John, chapter 13. That's where John tells us that Jesus was having a dinner party and that Jesus had invited his followers. Now, I, I, now think about it because just like you, when you plan a party, everything's arranged, everything's taken care of. But as the party was about to get started, that's when they, they realized something. And what they realized was there's nobody at the party, there's nobody at the meal that was able to wash the feet of the guest. We don't know what happened. We don't know why. Maybe it was an oversight. Maybe the foot washer, the Uber was late and didn't get him there on time. We don't know why there was a person, there was not a person there to wash feet. But the fact is that there was nobody there. And being that there was nobody there, and the custom was that people's feet would be washed before the meal, it created some tension among the followers of Jesus. 
And it's almost as if the followers of Jesus were looking around the room and in their minds they were asking the question, who's going to do it? Who's going to get down on their knees and do the nasty job of washing the feet of the people at this dinner party? And you know what that makes me think about? It makes me think about the church. Because that's the way the church is in America right now. That's the way the church is right now in this country and in the world. Because people are just looking around and they're looking at the jobs that need to be done in the church and you're saying, you know what, that's, that's really beneath me. I, I really don't have time in my schedule to, to help do the things at the church that need to be done. It simply doesn't work with my schedule. I have so many things to do. My schedule doesn't allow me to do what needs to be done. Somebody else is going to have to do that, Randy, so I'm just sorry. But see, I'm drawn to this specific story. Because if you look at this specific story, it kind of makes me think of the people who were at the party. And, and, and I can kind of see Peter. We all know about Peter. I could see Peter, you know, saying, you know, wait, wait, dude, dude I'm not going to wash people's feet because I, I'm one of the top three. I mean, I'm right up there, top three. So this is something that somebody lower on the totem pole is going to have to do. But see, it's in the details. It's always in the details, people. Listen to me. It's in the details that we find something that actually stands out. It's, this verse is not going to be on the screen, but I think it's chapter 13, verse 2. It says that the meal had already started. Now think about that. They, they had already started the meal, which, which actually tells me that the custom was that we would wash feet before we ate, it tells me that the disciples were so consumed and determined not to have to lower themselves to do the foot washing that they said, just go ahead and serve the food. I'd rather sit by somebody with dirty feet than take the time to wash your feet. It's kind of like eating at Golden Corral. You know what I'm saying? That's, that's kind of the same thing. I'm kidding, okay? There's not one around here, so I'm not throwing any shade. I mean, we all watch those buffets, right? I mean, we, we watch a buffet. We're just careful with the buffets. But, I mean, that, that's kind of the way it was. They're just like, go, go ahead. I'm not going to wash feet. Go ahead and serve the food. So that's what happened. David, come on up here, please. Everyone reclined, and the food was served. Dirty, dirty feet and all. And the scripture tells us, the story tells us, that Jesus was watching this whole thing play out. And then he decides to do something. And what he does is actually recorded in Scripture so that you and I can see it. The story tells us that, that Jesus gets up from his reclined position 
after the food had been served, after the dinner was in progress, and Jesus takes off his outer cloak, which the servant would have also been wearing had he showed up. But Jesus gets up from his reclined position and he pours a jug of water. And he gets on his hands and knees with a basin and a jug of water and a towel. And he starts to wash the feet, the dirty feet of every one of those people who said that they follow him. I mean, think about that. washed the feet of everyone who said that they followed him. What do you think the sound in the room was? While Jesus got on his knees and he took a basin and he took a bowl of water and he took a towel and he washed every person's feet. See, I would say it was deathly quiet just like it was in this room. But see, it was here in this moment 
that Jesus was demonstrating the very thing that they were too proud to do for each other. And you see, after Jesus washed the feet of his followers, and with a dirty basin of water by his side, and a dirty towel in his hand, this is what we find recorded in Scripture. John chapter 13, verse 12. It says, when he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I've done for you? He asked him. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that's what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you should also wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who has sent him. Now that you, now look at what he says, now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. See, I have people come to me all the time and they're talking about scripture that changes your life. And can I just tell you, if you're looking for a scripture for verses that will change your life, the verses that we just read those verses have the power to change your life because you see right here in these passages Jesus does something and what he does listen to me crossroads it applies to all of us who say that we follow him this applies to all of those who call him Lord. Because it's in these passages that Jesus unapologetically calls every, unapologetically calls every one of his followers, all of you who call him Lord, to live a life of servanthood. To live a life where you are doing acts of kindness. Because in what we just read, Jesus calls us to serve others. Because he said, if you follow me, if you call me Lord, I want serving other people to be a characteristic of the people who follow me. I want my followers to stand out from all of the other people in the world. I want my people to be the people who are willing to do what normal, pride-filled people are always unwilling to do. In other words, what Jesus is saying is, I want you, if you call him Lord, to quit living a life that's all about me, you. And I want you to start living a life that is beyond you. 
I want to start living a life that's beyond me. I want to live a life that's about doing for others. A life of serving others. Jesus says he wants his followers to look beyond the petty concerns of social issues, of titles, of positions. He wants his followers to look beyond their wants and their desires and their dreams and their needs. And that's what Jesus is calling us as his followers. If you call him Lord, Jesus says, I want my followers to go to the basin. I want my people to pick up the towel. And you know what's interesting about that towel? You know what's interesting about what you saw there? I, you know, I have to believe that Jesus could have, could, could have made this so applicable to us, even in 2023, in some other kind of mystical, dreamy way. But he chose not to do that. He chose what he was trying to communicate in a very practical, painstaking way. Because Jesus says, I'm calling you my people to simple acts of service. I'm calling you to simple acts of kindness. Like washing the feet of other people. He calls us by setting the example. Because that's exactly what he did. I mean, Jesus really says, I want you to do things like, I mean, really crossroads, it's as simple as opening the door for other people. It's like letting people in front of you at Publix this afternoon. It's like helping around the house or around the office, doing things that you don't normally have. It's not in my job. Go beyond your job title. Do things in the classroom. Do things in the church in ways that are totally uncharacteristic and unexpected of the rest of the people in this world. I, I love the section in what we read just a moment ago where it says, if foot washing is not beneath me, then it's not beneath you. If I'm willing, in other words, what he's saying is, I'm willing, if I'm willing to wash your feet, you need to wake up, Crossroads. And you need to be willing to wash other people's feet. You should be willing, as a follower of Jesus, to walk into any room and see the simple acts of kindness that need to be done. And then do whatever needs to be done. So you think about these simple acts of kindness. And when you do these, Jesus told us that something would happen. Jesus said in what we read, the very last verse, that you would be blessed if you do this. 
Now, now again, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not naming it, claiming it. I'm just telling you, those are words that Jesus said. Those are not my words. He said you would be blessed if you do this. Those simple acts of kindness. Because at the end of what we read, Jesus makes a blanket statement across the board. It's a no-exception promise. That Jesus said that people who live the towel life, the people who serve other people in practical ways, the people who live a life beyond themselves, those people who take themselves out of the picture, those are the people that will become the recipient of God's sovereign favor and blessing. In other words, you know how I want to say that? Something supernatural is going to be released into your life. Because when you pick up the towel, something good is going to come your way. God's divine favor is going to fall on those who take up the towel and live in a way that Jesus demonstrated for us to live. Living a life that isn't about me, but living a life that's beyond ourselves. See, you, you talk about that promise that Jesus made. You talk about divine favor and divine blessing coming your way. You talk about something good coming your way. And again, those are the words of Jesus. Those are not the words of Brandy. But here's the question. Do you really believe that? Do you actually believe what Jesus promised? Do you believe that Jesus said that this would happen to you? Do you believe it enough to reorder your value system around the very thing that Jesus promised? That if you take up this towel, your life will be blessed. And let me just say this. One of the ways that you're going to be blessed is in community. Being around God's people. See, some people are at the beach, and I don't, I, don't, I don't hate on them for that. Some people are somewhere else today. They chose not to come to church. But you're going to be blessed when you're at God's house with God's people. We call that community. Because living a life beyond yourself includes the benefit of true, authentic community. And that's something that you can achieve if you're living a life that's all about you. Or think about it this way. When it comes down to the important decisions of your life, are you going to consistently look for ways to shortcut and ways to obtain the promise of what I call the American dream? Are you going to live the life of the towel or are you going to pursue the American dream, which is more power, more money, more applause, more fame, whatever it is? 
because the question is what are you banking your fulfillment on are you one of those people who thinks that if you get more money more of the American dream do you think you're going to live and feel blessed in a way that God blesses if you pursue the American dream do you think you're going to feel inner satisfaction do you think you're going to feel inner peace Or is that fulfillment going to come from this life? From going to the basin and picking up the towel? Because let me tell you, this is fundamentally one of the most important questions that you will ever ask yourself. It's one of the most important questions that you will ever have to resolve in your spirit. And you want to know how I know that? because I want to show you somebody from Scripture who during a certain era of their life, they lived an amazing life. But during his life, he made a change. Here's what it says in Ecclesiastes chapter 2. Solomon is writing. And we read that Solomon in one era, uh, era of his life decided to make a dive. Some people may say a swan dive, I say a belly flop into the deep end of the pool of life about me. The deep end of the pool of self-gratification. Because basically what he did was reached a point in his life where he says, you know what? I've had enough of that life of the towel and I'm going to live a life about me. I'm going for the jackpot. But here's how he records it. He says, I undertook great projects. I built houses for myself and I planted vineyards. I made gardens and parks and planted all kinds of fruit trees in those gardens. I made reservoirs to water groves of flourishing trees. I bought male and female slaves and had other slaves who were born in my house. I also owned more herds and flocks than anyone in Jerusalem before me. I amassed silver and gold for myself and the treasure of kings and provinces. I acquired male and female singers and a harem as well. God bless him. You know what I'm saying? The delights of a man's heart. Look at what he says. I became greater by far than anyone in Jerusalem before me. And in all this, my wisdom stayed with me. I denied myself nothing that my eyes desired. That's the American dream to me. I refused my heart no pleasure. My heart took delight in all my labor. And this was the reward for all my toil. Yet when I surveyed all that my hands had done, and what I had toiled to achieve, everything was meaningless. A chasing after the wind. Nothing was gained under the sun. I love what it says in verse 10. Because it kind of sums up everything. I decided to deny myself 
nothing that my eyes desired. I mean, again, think about it. Wouldn't that be what most of us in this room and those watching online call? That's the American dream. Because that's what we all dream about. I mean, think about the dreams that you're ha- you've had because if your dreams are like my dreams, that's the dream that I had. If we're honest, we'd say that we dreamed that we would have the opportunity and the resources to be able to deny ourselves nothing that our eyes desired. In other words, you could have everything that you wanted. I mean, that's like hitting the the Powerball. It's like the jackpot. But look at what Solomon said. He said, yet when I surveyed all that my hands had done and what I had toiled to achieve, everything was meaningless. A chasing after the wind. Nothing was gained under the sun. Now look at that, look, look at that verse. Jay, leave that there a minute. Look at the verse. Because that's what we see time and time again. That's exactly what we see in 2023 time and time again. We see the the tragic stories of people who gain, gain access to power and money and fame or whatever. And they bet the farm on fulfilling their desires. They bet the whole farm on me. And you see, tragically, some of these influencers who have made thousands and hundreds and millions of dollars who commit suicide because life wasn't what they thought it was going to be. And you would think that at some point in human history that a chorus of voices would rise up to warn these people that there would be a chorus of voices that rise up and tell people, no, don't do that. Don't live your life and make your life just about you. Because life is not just living a life that's about me. See, I know that. Because, see, I can tell you if you try to satisfy what I call the self, self-gratification monster, and we all have a little bit of that in us, but if you're trying to satisfy that self-gratification monster, that monster is going to eat you up and spit you out every time. And then what happens is that you're going to get to the end of your one and only life And you're going to regret the way that you lived. The one and only life that God has given you. So you sit there and you think, well, what's the alternative? And I'll tell you. It's this. It's living the towel life. It's following the teachings of Jesus. It's following the example of Jesus. 
in a very focused and dedicated and a very practical way. It's you and me acting on a promise that was made to us by Jesus himself that if we will live our life and if we will take the time to serve other people, our lives will be deeply and greatly blessed. In other words, God will fill you with meaningful satisfaction instead of you going out and depending on the acquisition of the American dream. So unapologetically this morning, I ask you, what decisions are you making today? Think about it. What decisions are you making today so that in 5 or 10 or 15 years down the road, you don't wind up as some broken, lonely person who is saying what Solomon said, meaningless, it's all meaningless. The last 5, 10, 15 years of my life was like chasing after the wind. Crossroads, you need to hear me. Today, on April the 11th of 2023, you're facing a gamble, a big gamble. We all have to take a calculated risk, and we have to take that calculated risk sometime soon. You have to make a decision in your life. Is it going to be this kind of life of picking up the towel? Or is it going to be living a life where you consistently, continually try to pursue the American dream? You have to decide. And let me tell you, once you decide, listen, listen, listen. Once you decide which one of those it's going to be, you have to commit to it. You have to commit to one of those or the other. And once you commit to it, you have to go down that road far enough to see if it actually pays off in the manner in which you were hoping it would. That's the gamble. That's the gamble. And you're not going to know until you decide and until you commit and until you take it a little bit down that road and see what happens when it comes to fulfilling your desires, when it comes to filling up your fulfillment bucket, I call it. You have to make a choice. Those watching online, you have to make a choice. There is a choice to make, and let me just say this, the choice that you have to make is fundamentally one of the most serious choices with the grandest, highest implication as it relates to your future. You won't make any more important decisions than this decision that I'm putting in front of you right now. It's either the life of the towel and the life and example of Jesus Christ or you're betting your fulfillment on the things of this world.
stuff that's about you. Money and fame and applause and power, whatever it is. You've got one life. And Crossroads, listen to me, it's a huge gamble. You've got one life. It's going to be about you or it's going to be about others. So my challenge to all of us, my challenge is to pick up the towel and live the towel life. That's just what I want you to try. Do like Jesus. Get on your knees. Pick up the towel. Go down that road just a little bit. The road of the towel bearer. And just look and see what God does in your life. It's your choice. It's about others or it's about you. This morning as we close, I have a couple of challenges that I believe are practical things that you can do. I mean, some of these are things you can do today as you leave Crossroads. These are things that I believe will help. These are simple things. These are things that will help start you down the road where you begin to live the towel life and you become a towel bearer just like Jesus. The first is this. I know it's summer. I know there are lots of options on Sunday. I know lots of people don't come to church because they've got out of the habit of coming to church. And I'm just saying... I'm just encouraging you to reorder your life and make it a point, even though you may have something else you want. I, I, I realize you got a brand new bikini that you want to strut out of the Jimmy Floyd. I understand that. I got one too, okay? So there we go. But reorder your life so you can be at Crossroads on Sunday. We're asking for an hour of your time in worship. Reorder your life so that you can be here. Because let me tell you, I believe there's so much at stake. Here's the second thing. Before you go to bed tonight, within the context of just your family, just the context of your family, do something nice for somebody in your family. Just do a simple towel act somewhere around the house before you go to bed tonight. Students, take out the trash. Mow the yard. I mean, I shouldn't say mow the yard on Sunday. Maybe wait to do that one tomorrow, okay? That, I grew up thinking you didn't mow the yard on Sunday. I know that's kind of changed now. But just do a simple act of kindness. There's another way that you can really put the rubber to the road here on this is we have needs in Wombaland and Upstreet during this hour right now with our, with, our, with our birth through five-year-olds and then kindergarten through fifth grade. We've lost some of the people who taught for us, with us for years because they're graduating from high school and they're going on to college. And so they're kind of taking the summer off and then they're leaving. But they were faithful and they were good. And many of you right now could step up and fill a role. You know what that means? We need you every Sunday, but if you can't do every Sunday, you can do every other Sunday. If you can't do but one Sunday a month, Amy will make it work for you. Consistency really is best. But that's where it really kind of meets the road. The rubber meets the road. Putting 
this whole thing into action by serving our children, our students. You see, here's the thing. And this is my challenge for you today as we close and over the next several weeks. Live a life beyond yourself and just see if you don't feel the blessing of God in your life. Test it and see. Because Jesus promised that if you live that life, then you would experience God's blessing. His words, not mine. Give it a try and let's see. Would you bow your heads this morning and pray with me? God, we thank you for this amazing example that we find in Scripture where Jesus takes the time to pick up the towel and to wash the feet of every follower who it's apparent that they were just a little too proud to do it. It's kind of like many of us in the church. We think the jobs are beneath us. We shouldn't have to do it. But until we get up and pick up the towel, the church truly will not fulfill the destiny that you have for it. We want to be the difference makers that you called us to be. But to stand up and to be the difference means that we also have to kneel down and pick up the towel. To live a life that's not about us, but a life that's about other people. God, impart to us that that spirit, that challenge, so that we truly become the people that you've called us to be. As we ask this prayer this morning in Jesus' name, amen. Jesus saw me when a stranger 
Let me thank you for being here today. As you exit today, leave that little card with us that has your personal information, especially for visiting with us. We'll resume a worship guide on the 25th, which is when we start summer at Crossroads. That's officially the start of summer. Uh, but leave that card with us with your personal information. Your prayer request should be on the back of that. We'd love to pray with you and to pray for you, so always write that down. Leave that with us. You can also put your tithes, your offerings, uh, if that's cash or check, into that offering bucket. Look for somebody with a lanyard and an offering bucket. They'll take that from you. Uh, if you would rather mail that on a regular basis, you see the address on the screen behind me. You can also give online crossroadslebanoncom forward slash give. There are two giving kiosks also in the lobby where you can use your bank card out there uh, any and every time that you want to give. Let me say two things. Next week is Father's Day. So as in typical Crossroads fashions, we'll be having something special for the dads. So dads, make sure you're here. If your dad's not here, make sure that he is here. We have some very unique and very timely gifts for all the dads that will be in attendance. Uh, also, let me say this. On Memorial Day, I kind of alluded to the fact that, you know, I was going to, I was thinking, I was praying, I was kind of interested in what we could do uh, as it relates to that message uh, and actually, you know, where the, in Chronicles where it calls us to humble ourselves and pray. And, and we have decided that on Wednesdays from 4 p.m. until 6 p.m., we're going to open up this auditorium. We will have the air conditioning on. We'll set an ambiance, a mood of worship. There will not be a band or anybody performing, uh, but we will have some light music hopefully on. And we're going to open up the service and the church so that you can come and pray. Pray for yourself. Pray for your family. Pray for our country. Pray for our leaders. And, and pray for your church. Uh, that God would continue to uh, have his hand on us and direct us in the things that he has for us. That will start this Wednesday, 4 p.m. until 6 p.m. We may make adjustments on that in the future, but that's the best thing that we, we just can't afford to run the air all week long. Uh, so again, we would like to do it differently, but that's working the best for us uh, and being stewardly of the money that you guys give so that we're not running air and there's nobody here. That's right before our students get here, so it works out well to kind of do it that way. 4 to 6 p.m. this Wednesday and every Wednesday until you people just don't show up and say that, I don't want to say it this way, like you don't care. I mean, I know you care. You can pray at home, but there's just something about coming into God's house where God has called you to pray for the needs that God has in front of us uh, individually and as a church. So I invite you to be here. Join me here 4 p.m. to 6 p.m. on Wednesday of this week and every week thereafter. Have a great day. Hey, speaking of praying, pray for God to bring us some rain, right? I mean, we need a little rain. Have a great week, and I'll see you Wednesday, and I'll see you here next Sunday.